Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And today we're talking to you about Season 1, Episode 11, and Season 1, Episode 12 of The Clone Wars, which is the Dooku Captured arc. Mm. Featuring, but not limited to, Hondo Onaka. I have some questions. All right, well, let's get to them after we go through what happens. Yes. So, Excellent plan. These episodes start off and we see Obi-Wan wearing absolutely nothing except for a spacesuit as he makes his way onto a ship. Talk about like a cold open. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, they say that something Anakin's been captured and that's what has happened. We start out this episode with me desperately making sure that I didn't miss something beforehand. That's so true. the intro is basically that the Jedi found Count Dooku, but during the attempt to capture him, Anakin went missing. They show a bunch of clip from the Clone Wars movie, mm-hmm. and then Obi-Wan goes in search of him deep in the outer rim. But as Obi-Wan carves a hole in the side of the ship and makes his way to the cell where Anakin is being held... You find out that it's a ruse and Anakin was sent there without a lightsaber to get captured. Yes. So Obi-Wan and Anakin go to the command bridge. They come across Count Dooku in his Dooku dojo. Just peacefully meditating, having a lovely Saturday afternoon. He's like, sup, (laughs) (laughs) D-bags? Yes, that is the general Dooku tone of this arc. He's like, I see that your incompetence has led you here because that's basically... Basically, every Dooku sentence is, I see that your incompetence has led you to ask this question. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, a real, he's a real piece of it work. It is impeccable. I love these vibes. Anyway, uh, when presented with Obi-Wan and Anakin, he presses his handy-dandy laundry hatch <laughs> and escapes. There's a bunch of banter back and forth as Anakin and Obi-Wan try to figure out the best way to follow him. Anakin thinks... Laundry hatch, and Obi-Wan thinks, I'll take the stairs. They are both incorrect. Yes, because Dooku manages to make it to his ship in time. And then Obi-Wan follows and does the coolest lightsaber trick that I have seen in so long. I love watching Obi-Wan do these lightsaber tricks because it's not flashy. He, like... Walks right up to someone, two droids like shoot at him. He blasts one. No, bolt he into ba- the other. he slices one mm-hmm. battle droid's head off. And then I was like, did he pull out a blaster? No, he just mm-hmm. angled his saber up and reflected the other droid shot right back at him, hit him in the face. Yeah. I rewound and rewatched it. Like I hit the minus 10 seconds, minus 10 seconds. It was so cool. It shows. That Soryesu form that mm. Obi-Wan is famous for being a master of. And he's he's good. Then Anakin they, hops in. Anakin hops in. They catch up. They're in a ship. They're uh they're in a shuttle and they're following Dooku. They manage to hit Dooku and then they manage to get hit. And then they conveniently get shot down right next to his ship. Yeah, they crash literally right next to each other. But by the time they get there, Dooku has evaporated into the mists. The mists is a great way to put it. They're on this like dark, sparkly gemstone planet. It's simultaneously bleak and luxurious. Luxurious, if you will. It's called called Vancor. Yeah, Vancor with a Q. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's Vancor with a Q. Yeah, it's it's luxurious. The U is silent. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh... Anyway, there's nothing on this planet except for caves. And so they decide to go into a cave 
where all of a sudden there's the ceiling collapses and lands on Anakin and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's like, run, and zips off at Obi-Wan super speed. Anakin's like, no, I'll fight it. Turns out it was Dooku dropping the cave on them. Yes, and Dooku eats uh, Anakin's lightsaber onto his belt. So slick. Then Dooku leaves the cave and crashes the cave entrance around him. He walks back to his ship where there are a bunch of like stripy skeletal jerks with actual peg legs. Yes. Because they are actual pirates, although they look like they are straight out of Mad Max. It is Hondo Onaka's pirate gang. Which totally lost on me. I was like, who are these skeleton jerks? Well, this is the first time we're introduced to them. And no one names Hondo until episode two. Yeah. He's great, though. He's real fun. Anyway, meanwhile, in the cave, uh, Obi-Wan comes up as Anakin is disassembling the pile of rocks on top of himself. And they hear roaring off in the distance. And they're charged by a red demon monkey it is a gundark a gundark and it is a yeah it's an enormous uh horrific monkey with hilarious bugs bunny ears and she is about to nom on anakin like a snack Mm -hmm. uh when obi-wan yeets a boulder at her and just like because obi-wan is uh the whole episode especially the first one obi-wan's on anakin's case for not having a lightsaber and anakin's like you told me i couldn't bring it and then he loses it because dooku stole it Obi-Wan is exceptional in this episode. But Obi-Wan's lightsaber isn't working. Yeah, I know. It got banged up by the rocks. Just kind of sputtering. Yeah. So they're fighting a Gundark. They're flinging rocks at it. They fling some rocks that open up a poisonous fissure, and the cave starts filling with poisonous gas. I mean, from bad to worse. Mm -hmm. And right then, Ahsoka shows up and saves them. And they're like, we didn't need saving. We were fine. Where, I want to know, where were their cool rebreathers from episode one from the Phantom Menace Mm -hmm. when you need them? Uh, They were buried with Qui-Gon. No. (laughs) No. I believed you for a second and I feel totally wronged by that. They were like truly about to die, though. And then the cave blows open and Ahsoka's like... I was like, are you an angel? I just had like a <laughs> real callback moment. Well, with how many robes that Obi-Wan shrugs off, I imagine he loses a lot of stuff Gear. that he in his pockets. So yeah. careless. It goes through earbuds like nobody's business. Ugh, unbelievable. Meanwhile, Dooku and Hondo had been negotiating for Passage Off-World. Hondo's like, nice ship you got there. And Dooku's like, it's yours if you give me Passage Off-World. And Hondo's like, what about the rest of my fee? And I'm like, get what you are owed, Hondo. Yeah, Hondo. Teach me your ways. Hondo has the most hustle of anyone ever. See, like rise and grind culture over on Florum. Uh, They make it back to Florum and Dooku's like, I've had enough of this. And he stole his lightsaber. And Hondo pickpocketed a Sith Lord's lightsaber. Incredible. Dude's got skills. Iconic. And so they put Dooku in shackles. This is, importantly, after he exposed the fact that he's not just the leader of the Separatist army, but also a Sith Lord. Is Mm -hmm. he supposed to do that? Uh, Left to his own discretion. They're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. There's no rules when you're the bad guys. This isn't the triad. (laughs) So Hondo, I actually wrote down, this is why I could never be a crime lord. Mm -hmm. Hondo's like, oh, well, if the Separatists would pay a lot to get you back, Dooku, I bet the Republic would pay even more. Mm -hmm. And so 
Uh, that is right where we are at the beginning of the second episode of the arc, because Hondo is explaining this in detail to one of his lieutenants. And the lieutenant's like, I don't know why we didn't sell him to the separatists. And he's like, you entire, you know, you grog swilling. You send them to school, <laughs> you learn them up, and they're just dumb as rocks. <laughs> if we sold them to the separatists, the separatists would show up with an army and take him back. So... Sorry, back up a little bit here. Because Anakin and Obi-Wan were in the neighborhood, they have been sent to go assure that Dooku is there. Yes, so we cut to Mm -hmm. Coruscant. Hondo is ransoming Dooku to Palpatine, Mm -hmm. which, you know, he would be doing the same thing if he was selling Dooku back to the Separatists, which is hilarious. He's got hustle. Jar Jar's there? Padme's there? The whole, the gang's all there. Why Yoda's is the, there? I don't know why the gang is all there. Padme speaks for Palpatine at one point. I'm like, is she allowed to do that? But Padme's like, let us send two Jedi. <laughs> I mean, she's like, I know that there's two Jedi, like, right there, because uh, my, you know, Anakin <laughs> is there. Like, <laughs> But... They do send Anakin and Obi-Wan. Anakin and Obi-Wan go in and are like, hey, this is great. We know that he's here. You can send in the ransom money now. With Senator Karras Mm -hmm. and Jar Jar. Yes, Senator Karras being a uh, three-eyed dude from Malastera. He gets a grand total of one line, but I still like him. Yeah, it's a good line. Um, And then... After they see that Dooku is there, Obi-Wan and Anakin are offered drinks and partying in Hondo's bar. Invited to a banquet. And at the last second, they swap out their drinks for the people next to them. They almost get roofied, Mm -hmm. but they are on top of it. So they wake up having been roofied. This was the most... A minor continuity error, or they roofied all the drinks and only gave the antidote to the pirates like who knows i mean inquiring minds want to mm-hmm. know i just want to say real quickly there's a lady who's dancing on the tabletop mm-hmm. and anakin and obi-wan are like drinking their drinks anakin is like yo i'm 19 i'm so into this and obi-wan just looks disgusted <laughs> it's the most disreputable way to end an episode i was like i want 10 more hours of obi-wan and anakin hanging out doing shenanigans drinking green sludge together yeah Really, Delightful. Really green sludge. But yes, then we do head into the non sequitur of the next episode. Yeah, beginning. so now Anakin, Kenobi, and Dooku are all tied together with laser shackles, all having been captured by pirates, all bantering at each other, trying to out-mean, out-insult each other. Uh, I'm sorry, this is like the... Um, And there was only one bed trope to me. (laughs) And we're all handcuffed together trying to escape. Uh, In terms of the banter off, it's basically uh, Obi-Wan handily wins without trying. Dooku has some nice one-liners and Anakin just gets grouchy. I would say 10 points to Dooku. Obi-Wan's following up with like a solid three. Anakin's in the black. You think Dooku has better one-liners than Obi-Wan? I think Dooku won. We will discuss. All right. All right. So three separate times they managed to make it out of their cell. And then Three separate times they're recaptured. (laughs) (laughs) Including a rather stunning pole vault. Oh, uh, incredible. Pole vault force jump times three. Yeah. Anakin's the only one who does it successfully. And he's holding the rest of them by their literal Obi-Wan has to grab Dooku. And I'm like, they're holding hands. That's so nice. It's it's a real, real crazy bit. Anyway, while this is all happening... Uh, Jar Jar and Karis have been sent aboard a shuttle with the spice reward 
Ransom. Ransom. Um, so Hondo took them at, at the beginning of this episode also. Hondo is explaining to his lieutenant, okay, so we sell Dooku to the Jedi, to the Republic. We sell the Jedi to the Separatists. And this way we get paid three times. Because as Mama used to say... <laughs> One hostage is good. And two, two is better. And three is just good business. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mama Onaka. Hondo Onaka, 100%, has a heart tattoo with an arrow through it that says, I heart mom. Yeah. I would or, bet I think it says, I money. dollar mom. Oh, my God. <laughs> I dollar sign mom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a, he's a nutter. Uh, but it turns out one of his guys is going behind his back. Yes. So his guy in, yeah, I mean, really Honda's fashion, you know. Setting a great example. Says, okay, here's the plan. We're going to go shoot down the Republic, take the spice and jet. Yes. Instead of dealing with like Hondo. Politics. Yes. Hondo. <laughs> so he shoots them down and. Because of Jar Jar. Because of Jar Jar. Everyone dies. Not everyone. There's like three surviving clones. But There's four. Jar Jar kills Karis like straight up in a. I mean, you couldn't get a prosecutor on in the galaxy to get the charges to stick, but Karis I'm, died because of Jar Jar. I'm pretty sure that's a war crime, if not a significant diplomatic incident on the scale of <clears throat> World War One. No, there was no it was like malice. An, it felt like an Archduke Franz Ferdinand moment to me. I uh, will discuss that. Okay. Um. Anyway, Karis dies. Jar Jar and the surviving clones are surrounded by pirates who shoot at him a bunch. Not They're, only pirates, also acid geysers yeah. and rhinos. Yes. Yes. So Just the agree. pirates show up. They <laughs> escape into one of the geysers. Jar Jar uses his druid lore to oh uh, keep God. them safe until the beasties leave. And in which case they can Rolled escape. Rolled a nat 20 on animal handling. For real. The uh, pirates run off with the spice. Jar Jar and the clones jump up on the lip of the geyser. And then they get themselves onto the rhinos. And then they give chase. It's a tribute to how complicated this episode was that I totally missed that. I had to Google everything that happened. This episode was so, what is the word? Um, crowded. Crowded. Convoluted. Mm. This episode was so convoluted that I just, I totally missed that. I'm going to have to go back and watch Jar Jar Ride the Rhino. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, they follow them, they shoot down the speeder bikes, they get the spice, there's one surviving pirate who makes his way back. The pirate says, Hondo, we've been betrayed by the Republic, we need to send tanks. And so the clones and Jar Jar see the tanks, and the clone commander, who's now seen Jar Jar in action, weaponizes Jar Jar and says, go, go do your Jar Jar thing to these tanks. And Which we'll hide out. He promptly does, and he is called a plague. He's not a representative, he's a plague. The plague of Jar Jar. Jar Jar, Jar, Jar immediately gets a tank kill. <laughs> And shuts down the power grid, which is important because back at the pirate base, Obi Wan and Anakin are, are undergoing electroshock torture mm -hmm. in a children's show. So the power goes out. Obi Wan and Anakin immediately grab their lightsabers from across the room and take Hondo hostage. And Dooku, his the power in his cell goes out, and he proceeds to calmly open the door, garrot his guard with his own shackles make his way out to his ship, 
the guy, Turk, the pirate who betrayed Hondo, mm-hmm. uh, Dooku picks him up, makes him shoot his friend, chokes him out, takes a ship and flies off. When I it's tell you I'm kill. just shaking my head in awe and disbelief, just silently, calmly, completely viciously, mm-hmm. calmly makes his way out and just choke holds everyone in his way. Real Dooku move. It was because like big Dooku energy. You find him somewhat affable throughout the move throughout the show because he's got these great lines and then, and then you you're watch like, oh like, no, oh, he's a bad oh, guy. Oh, he is, he is a Sith Lord. Mm-hmm. He's pretty cool. So right then, uh, as Anakin and Obi-Wan have Hondo with lightsabers, the two tanks show up and Hondo's like, well, I guess you're surrounded now. And Jar Jar pops out. He's like, Misa rescued you. I brought the spice. And they're like, thanks. And they all leave. And Obi-Wan is like, well, uh, since that's Dooku escaping and since we're no longer your prisoners, we're cool now, right, Hondo? They have a philosophical discussion about hostage dynamics mm-hmm. and obi-wan comes out on top <laughs> and honda is like wow that's mad respect like yeah i under i no longer hold the goods you wish to buy from me this is fair he's like i'm yeah i'm into this props sir so uh at jar jar is like oh i did save you and they're like nope dang it yeah i guess you did. <laughs> which is the same thing that happened in the first arc with our first episode Ahsoka being like, I saved you. And like, no, you didn't. Uh, I guess. So Anakin and Obi-Wan and kind of being true to the fortune cookie, mm-hmm. which is the winding path to peace is always a worthy one, regardless of how many turns it takes. So mm. regardless of the fact that you tried to escape from yourself three times and then got electroshock therapy <laughs> without consent, uh, Obi-Wan basically is like, we don't have any beef with you. We're going to leave. Mm-hmm. And Honda's like, yeah, bye. Yeah, Anakin's ready to like kill him. Yeah. Because Anakin's Anakin. Yeah. So that's this arc. Uh, as always, status quo. Although Obi-Wan's closing line to Hondo is like, I don't care about you. You are really beneath my notice. But Dooku. Dooku holds grudges and knows where you live. So have a, have a wonderful day. Have a great weekend, Hondo. <laughs> we may or may not see you later. Yeah. So that was this arc. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I want to talk about a couple things, but what do you want to start with? Number one question. Mm-hmm. Who is Hondo Onaka? Hondo Onaka is the Pirate King of Florum. I now know this, but no one named him in the first episode. And so all of my notes say the Pirate King? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Question mark. Yeah. He's a, um, oh, I wrote it down. He's a weak way. Weak way. Mm-hmm. And that's all I got. Tell me about Hondo Onaka. I'm so confused. Is this a name that I should know? Uh, I mean, this is the first time you're introduced to him. He's a recurring character okay. in uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that I really haven't met him yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is his jam. Like, you know, in um in Solo and in episode five and six, you meet Lando mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, this guy's like Han Solo, but a little bit skeezier because he's a little bit more of a capitalist. Capital D disreputable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Hondo just to the max. I mean, so Hondo's really living the dream there on Florum. I, I have a note of this. I find this interesting. If If you're a pirate king, there's kind of two ways to go about it. Either you have like a very cool harem and a bunch of people who like work for you and like do pirate jobs for you. Which Hondo does. No. Yeah. Hondo has a bar 
and he drinks on the same side of the bar opposite the bartender as everyone else in his group. He has he owns a strip club and like doesn't have a VIP booth. He sits there the same as everyone else. He doesn't hold court. He's just Hondo. And the really, you know, he wears a crazy hat. And Mad Max goggles. And Mad Max goggles. And he's too clever by half. Like, um, you know, Dooku calls him out on that. Because right before Anakin and Obi-Wan are captured by Hondo, Dooku's like, these pirates are devious and you don't give them enough credit for how mm-hmm. smart they are because they captured me. I was super into that. And, and they did it so calmly too. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that Dooku was getting kidnapped. I thought he was basically just negotiating to get off planet. And then Ooh. I'm like, why is Dooku in this fancy electro X-shaped handcuff system? Yeah, he got captured. They got him. So Wow. Yeah, they're, they're a significant threat pirates with enough enough guns and stuff here's what my note says pirate guy is super smart (laughs) and so i think that that's a pretty powerful thing because throughout i mean so dooku and obi-wan are both people who can really manipulate minds Mm -hmm. right especially obi-wan and hondo is too single tracked for that kind of thing you couldn't distract him by being like you should let me go he's like that sounds unprofitable (laughs) so I feel like he looks at the world in terms of profit and profit loss, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like playing against the house. The house has an algorithm, Mm -hmm. and they just have a set of criteria, and if you meet it, then they put their cards down, and if you don't, they get all their money. And at the end, that is what Hondo thinks is honorable. Mm -hmm. And he had been begrudging the lack of honor, like when Turk lied to him and said, The Republic showed up with tanks. He's like, how dishonorable. There's no one with honor in this whole galaxy. Yeah, like how dare you try to get out of your Mm -hmm. cells? And that is because Hondo thinks of himself as someone who is honorable because he follows a code. I don't see any reason why Hondo couldn't be on an alignment chart, some kind of lawful neutral. Yeah. He has a value system and a Mm -hmm. criteria, and he does not deviate from it. No. So Not once. I kind of... (laughs) like him (laughs) in terms of disreputable characters i like him just as much as lando and a a lot more than cad bane so yeah yeah he's fun to watch yeah he's got a real vibe Mm -hmm. i'm into it yeah yeah so that's who hondo anaka is thank you for that Mm -hmm. now i know and we'll see more of him so what do you want to talk about um so something i really noticed in this episode to the point where i looked it up was that the voice actor for Jar Jar Binks changed. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you looked that up. I noticed that. Mm-hmm. So the voice actor for all the episodes, all the Jar Jar paraphernalia and all the movies up until this point has been Ahmed Best. Mm-hmm. And he's also the physical actor for Jar Jar in the movies. Is that who was mercilessly mocked for... Yes. Voicing original Jar Jar in The Phantom Menace. Yeah. He, I read an interview with him recently. He is deeply traumatized by that experience, and my heart really goes out to him. Yeah. Man, I feel bad. Um, He comes back in season four. Okay. And continues voicing Jar Jar. However, at this point, the voice has been replaced with BJ Hughes. Hmm. And I noticed it because it is a, a different... It's a, it's less silly, and the sentence structure is less silly, mm-hmm. and it makes Jar Jar seem more malicious a little bit. 
It makes him seem more intelligent, which we can certainly talk about. There's a Mm -hmm. moment where one of the clones says, don't worry about Representative Binks. He's smarter than he seems. Mm -hmm. And I think that is not doing a service to Jar Jar's character. Yeah. It doesn't help that he's responsible for a literal senator's death, Mm -hmm. along with clone troopers. But yeah, it was harder to read anything good in his intentions. Despite the uh, actual lines being very good. Yes. Without the affability that was brought into the role by Ahmed Best. Yeah. So I noticed that significantly because I gave a really thorough watch through of Jar Jar in this because I feel like Mm. during this exercise of of the podcast, I've been paying a lot more attention to Jar Jar. Mm. Now. You're welcome, audience. (laughs) Sam is going to join the church of Jedi Master Jar Jar I'm still in Darth Jar Jar cult, but I could could be different. We're in rival cults. Yeah. So... Tune in next week. At the end of episode one, when Hondo calls Palpatine and is like, check it out, I got your boy Dooku here in exchange for, you know, one million dollars. Palpatine is visibly PO'd. He is. I think he's in disbelief that Dooku would get himself captured. And so Palpatine, despite being a megamind, has no way of foreseeing that like a lucky shot would result in like a lucky thing in a lucky thing. Like that's just way far out there. So Palpatine says, who can I send to cause enough chaos for Dooku to escape? Let's send Jar Jar Binks. (laughs) I think, I mean, Jar Jar's there because Palpatine wanted him. Do you think Palpatine was expecting Jar Jar to fail? I think in the way that Bail Organa did earlier and the way that the clone captain in this episode, when he's like, Jar Jar will take out a tank and then we can show up with our infantry weapons and resolve the situation. Palpatine is like, I can weaponize Jar Jar. Do you think so? I read that totally differently. I thought Palpatine was thinking, I'm going to send the most incompetent person in power who outranks the clone troopers Mm -hmm. to go and miserably fail to make it look like I made an honest effort. That is a different way of doing it. And what's fortunate for Palpatine is that He's playing both sides all the time. I know. So he could have made it work either way. He's playing chess instead of checkers. I mean, really, uh, Jar Jar is as useful a tool to the war effort as Anakin in some ways. Because <laughs> when you need to go, like, insert ruckus here, add Jar Jar. Yeah. Shenanigans ensue. So that was uh, that was pretty compelling to me. And then also the the trash talk fest. I think oh, my God. Do you whole, want to talk banter? Yeah, the whole episode, starting at the beginning. Okay, uh, I wrote some gosh. down. Yeah. So first favorite piece of banter is Anakin's complaining at Obi-Wan after Obi-Wan releases him from the cell. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, how can I become a Jedi master if I'm always getting caught? And then Obi-Wan says, at least you're a master at getting caught. Yeah. <laughs> the pettiness. My my favorite is when all three of them, uh, Dooku and Obi-Wan and Anakin are chained together. Dooku's force reaching out. He's grabbing a plate of fruit. And, and a knife to yeah, pick the lock. And Anakin's like, surely there's more important things to do than grabbing a snack. And Dooku says, uh, Obi-Wan, please. Do you want me to do yeah, the line? Do. do control your protege's insolence so I can concentrate. And then Obi-Wan's like, Anakin. <laughs> control your insolence so the Count can concentrate. Anakin, 
control your insolence. <laughs> the count is concentrating. So sarcastically. Oh my God. It's my favorite banter yet. Yeah. It is. It's it's very funny. And so in a few recent episodes, we've talked about how Obi-Wan has like real big business in this war. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, this might be just him letting off steam because he's like, I'm a legit Jedi master. I have really no problems getting out of this situation. I just have to like achieve certain goals. You know what I noticed? And I could be totally wrong. This could be my subjective perception. Obi-Wan looked thinner. His Hmm. character design in this episode, his face is a little bit more hollow looking in the cheekbones Hmm. and his silhouette looked a little slimmer. And to me, I was like, wow, the stress of the war is already getting to Obi-Wan. He's like losing weight from the the pressure of it. Or I could be totally wrong. I mean, that is a read of it. It's not incorrect. There's a for the the listeners out there who want a real deep Star Wars cut. Look up the bigger Luke theory. Mm. We're not going to talk about that. Are you sure? Yes. Now I'm so curious. You can't just dangle a carrot. On on your own time. Oh, man. That way lies madness. More homework. Okay, another Count Dooku little piece of banter. Obi-Wan Kenobi. I thought I sensed an unpleasant disturbance in the Force. Ouch. Yeah. That's delightful. Final favorite mm-hmm. Obi-Wan um, banter. Anakin's like, chime in anytime as Ahsoka is totally beating him up for incompetence. And Obi-Wan's like, oh no, I'm enjoying this far too much. Yeah. Very, yeah. very, 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 very good. So very Obi-Wan and Anakin-centric episode with some good Dooku lines. I think this is one of the first times we've seen a lot of Dooku. I what? forgot my favorite Dooku line. What is your favorite? I would kill you both right now if I didn't have to drag your bodies. Yes. Incredible. Can I use that in my daily life without sounding crazy? Probably not. No. Just in my dreams. I also want to talk about Karis's line, Senator Karis, because he has mm-hmm. one meaningful line. If you're going to get one line, make it count, is what Karis believes, I'm assuming. So in the second episode, his line is, the last time I did one of these hostage negotiation jobs, I spent three weeks in a dungeon. And he says it with this like British accent. And it kind of Irish with a brogue mm-hmm. or Scottish, maybe. And it really speaks to a whole long line of like uh, the great game to me mm. of like sending a British diplomat out into the hinterlands of, you know, Afghanistan mm. or Persia in the 1800s or something and being like, ah, oh, yes, I spent three weeks in the, you know, harem of the Sultan before as I was trying to move gold from one place to another because of diplomatic miscommunication. And it, what the effect was, was that it, he's obviously old school. They sent someone established who mm-hmm. will not, who is zero tolerance for Jar Jar's nonsense mm-hmm. to kind of be his handler is what so, it feels like. So that might be Palpatine's front that he's like, I'm sending mm-hmm. this guy. But also that means that this is a, uh, I mean, if, the last time he was sent on a job like this, he spent three weeks in a dungeon. That means that he is uh, really replaceable. Like, or not competent. Yeah. 
You know, what it reminded me of is the way that old folks who've had really interesting lives, like, for example, Christopher Lee, Mm -hmm. will throw the wildest facts just completely out of pocket. Yeah. Like, ah, yes, when I was at Woodstock. And you're Mm -hmm. like, who are you? Yes, yes. When I was chasing game in the deep, you know. A country that no longer exists. Yes. Like, when they call it. Yugoslavia Mm -hmm. and you're like what decade are you from yeah or yeah that's not a great example or where did you go to school but yeah Uh. (laughs) yeah so there's uh there's some interesting things going on with the diplomancy but i yeah i'm seeing both sides of it now as far as palpatine throwing up not quite enough of an effort an effort that he expects to fail as well as then later on weaponizing Jar Jar. I just enjoy the trope of weaponizing Jar Jar. Oh, of course. I think it's funny. I think that uh, also Obi-Wan and Anakin and Dooku, if they hadn't been so concerned with being literally petty, they probably would escape much easier out of all of their problem situations. To me, it seems like this was such a non-event for them and a a scenario that they could pretty easily get their way out of Mm -hmm. that they weren't bothering to take it seriously, Mm -hmm. which to me is the mark of, to me, that's how we've seen most Jedi Masters get their way out of trouble. I noticed this when Obi-Wan was sort of strolling to the hangar in the beginning of Dooku Captured. Anakin's flying by the seat of his pants down the air duct, chasing Dooku. I'm assuming he couldn't force sense where Dooku went. Obi-Wan strolls up to the hangar, not in a hurry. He only starts jogging when Dooku's actually rolling out of, rolling into space. Mm -hmm. And then he jogs a little bit to get into the ship. And it reminded me of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan in the beginning of the opening of The Phantom Menace. Oh, that's true. They don't hurry. No. They move with the speed necessary to accomplish their goals. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I read it as Anakin and Obi-Wan are bantering in this episode because they know they're going to be fine. I believe that Obi-Wan believes that. I don't think Anakin does. That's a good point. But that's because Anakin does not have the emotional maturity to recognize that but that's not something that shows very clear like if you're if you're sitting there and you're like why are you all so calm this is a serious situation and people are like don't worry about it. everything's gonna work out fine it's hard to recognize that in anakin because anakin's sitting there and he's like i am in a cell with a literal sith lord like this is a high stress situation and obi-wan's like i mean we don't have lightsabers everything's gonna be fine like we'll survive I did appreciate that the lightsabers that Obi-Wan and Anakin used to escape, Anakin loses his green lightsaber, doesn't he, earlier in the episode? And then during the escape scene, they've both got blue lightsabers, and Dooku's lightsaber is nowhere to be found. So as I was looking up more IMDB facts about this, there are a few continuity errors with regards to the lightsabers. Mm. So I think that might have been okay. one of them. I won't read too much into it. Yeah, there the drinks and the lightsabers were the ones that's like, okay, I'm not exactly sure what happened. Okay. Can we talk about the structure of this episode? Well, it was just, you know, 
A plot, B plot, A plot, B plot, A plot, B plot, A plot, B plot. (laughs) So not even that. It's the feeling for me as a new viewer when we open up with two episodes in a row that make me feel like I've totally missed something absolutely critical. Oh, yeah. And then I have to go back and, and, and Google things and figure out what did I miss it's almost like user experience design mm-hmm. that's a little bit flawed. I didn't miss anything. We are doing the correct chronological order. But cutting in scenes from the Clone Wars movie into the intro of Dooku Captured, and then having the non sequitur with Anakin and Obi-Wan switching their drinks, but then ending up roofied anyway, mm-hmm. it made me feel pretty lost. And that's not even, that's before the convoluted ridiculousness of the plot cutting from a plot to b plot and herky and jerky and just it was tough that's a very uh legit criticism i believe not a criticism but this was my viewing experience Mm -hmm. and it was a difficult one for sure i can see that in the sense particularly the second episode because it's just a jarring cut and then the first one you're like i did we miss an episode so yeah that's a problem Now, what's funny about that is, so in 1977, when the first Star Wars movie came out, it was just called Star Wars. Mm. And then a few years later, when Empire Strikes Back came out, and the original Star Wars movie was renamed Episode 4, A New Hope. Mm. And at that point, you're like, wait a minute, did I miss a movie? Did I miss something? And what turned out to happen was that George Lucas didn't feel like he could have told the Episode 1, 2, 3 story at the time. but. Um, what I'm trying to say is that starting in media res, which is immediate in the middle of the story, is a long-standing Star Wars tradition. That actually is so great. Now I feel like I'm part of this like insider crew that understands <laughs> the uh, or is part of like the continuity error noticing crew of Star Wars. Oh yeah, that makes me feel really good. So I am a go. true Star Wars fan. Yeah. Also, I do appreciate that every Clone Wars episode is like a little mini movie. And sometimes you just got to cram in, um, you know, five episodes that didn't happen into the 30 seconds before the episode that you get to watch. Yeah. And it's good storytelling advice, too. Whenever you're like writing a book or something that, or telling a story, you start as late as you can into mm-hmm. the story so that you're starting it at the interesting part. There's no need for like pages and pages and pages or scenes and scenes and scenes of backstory when you can back. And here's the action audience can follow along if they're clever. Tolkien could have certainly used that lesson when writing The Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> okay, I have some things I want to talk about. Please do. I have, brace yourself, I have some ship stuff that I want to talk about. Okay, I'm here Some for this. Star Wars ship stuff. Mm-hmm. The first one is only tangentially related. It's the fact that Obi-Wan hops onto the ship to follow Dooku. Mm -hmm. And then he leaves the pilot seat open for Anakin. He's on the gunner side. Mm -hmm. Because he knows. He knows Anakin is going to catch up. Maybe. Yes. I cannot handle them. I love them so much. All right. Or or the controls are on both sides. No, this is canon to me. I literally thought, oh my God, Obi-Wan knew that Anakin was going to catch up, so he left the pilot seat open. He leave the back door open, right, as he's like flying off into space, too. Mm -hmm. I love them so much. Okay, this one is actually more related to ships. Hondo references Dooku's solar sailor, Mm -hmm. which prompted me. Actually, I looked up Dooku's solar sailor a little while ago. I don't remember why. We see it at the end of... 
um, the second movie, Attack of the Clones, oh. as he takes the Death Star plans and flies to Coruscant because you in this podcast referenced how beautiful it was. It is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Get this. You probably know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Dooku's solar sailor is powered by an ancient artifact that he got from the Gree question mark. I did not know this. I don't know who these people are. It is an unidentifiable artifact. No one knows what it is made of, how it does what it does, but it creates an undetectable power source that flies Dooku across outer space, basically at hyperdrive speed, and no one knows how or why or can trace it. That is the coolest thing I have heard all day. Me too! And it's beautiful inside. Yes, it is. It is really nice. It's, it's sad beautiful that he outside. It. It's really suave. It's got like the leather interior. Yeah. Probably seat heaters. Definitely seat heaters. It's old man. really cool. Gotta keep his buns warm. It, yes, don't we all? On that note, there are so many ship crashes in this episode. Yes. I mean, I would just assume that that's really expensive to animate. Can we please just have a ship land intact and then take off again? Yeah, but that's not exciting. But it sure would be nice. It happens all the time. Like, uh, Kit Fista's ship, perfectly fine. I know, because R6 is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, one last thing. We finally get some mention of this mysterious spice that we sometimes hear about, which is what Hondo wants to gain as his ransom. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that George Lucas ripped that off of the Dooniverse. Yes, although... So for the uninitiated uh, in the Dooniverse, spice is something which lets you see the future, and that's the only way to travel faster than light, Mm -hmm. which is pretty important because you can't really have an interstellar empire without going faster than the speed of light unless you make up a universe where it doesn't matter, like Star Wars. Whereas in Star Wars, yeah, it seems to just be drugs. It's possibly, um, so it's talked about, I think, in most depth in either Solo or Season 7 of The Clone Wars. Both mm. of those deal with it a fair bit, as opposed to something that's just money or, like, illicit just something. some mm-hmm. kind of illicit mind-altering substance. And so it seems like it's basically something which can be either converted into medicine or into drugs, illicit drugs. To that end, it's basically, like, a big hole full of super hyper space poppies or something. So you can either turn it into... Morphine, or you can turn it into heroin, but it way. felt like a MacGuffin to me. Oh, the oh, spice! Definitely. Yeah, yes. it could have been anything. But the gold bullion. Mm-hmm. But going back to right when Dooku and Hondo meet, Dooku is trying to say, "Ah, yes, we'll be fine. I'll pay you whatever you want." When the Separatists show up, and Hondo's like, "You got to be smarter than that out in the outer rim. Mm-hmm. I need like untraced bills delivered to a third-party location to your enemies. I don't really care what happens to you. I care about getting paid. Yes. So the Outer Rim is a a little bit of a different animal. It seems like spice is the way to move. And that goes back to Phantom Menace when uh, Qui-Gon says credits will do fine and Watto says no. And then fast forward to Mando Mando when the currency exchange is a real problem. I am so here for Star Wars currency issues. It's one of my favorite weird quirks of Star Wars that no one ever has the right money because the galaxy is massive. Yes. I And there's not ATMs lying around. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting. And in some 
video games or role-playing systems or fantasy books or things like that. In some worlds, they're like, IS is a huge problem converting from one monetary system to Mm -hmm. another, which is much more realistic. If you've ever traveled internationally, Mm -hmm. you know you're like, okay, I've got this money. Do I change it here? Do I change it there? Do I change the equivalent of $20 so I can get out of the airport away from the high-fee ATMs and then change it? And then it's still an arm and a leg and my bank is going to call me thinking that it's like credit fraud. Yes. And granted, that sounds boring to some people. However, any point of conflict is Mm. an interesting point if you tell a cool story around it. Yes. So uh, we are actually coming up on some episodes pretty soon about the banking clan. Oh. Yeah. So and in I think three or four episodes of the podcast. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Do you have any uh, closing remarks. I had a very hard time with a certain certain aspect of our podcast today. I have no idea who to call Bay. I don't know either. Oh, but it is time. Oh man. Time okay, we better think fast. Bay watch, Bay watch, think fast. Bay watch, Bay watch, think fast. I have someone in mind. Mm-hmm. But I fear for the repercussions. Well, then you're you're gonna leave that out there dangling. I will I'll I'll nibble on that. Who who are you fearing the repercussions of? It's Dooku. Oh, how the turntables <laughs> look! I'm humiliated. Listeners, Anna calls me an antagonist apologist basically once an hour on the hour, and here she is. <laughs> Covering I'm her face in humiliation. Okay, I need to see your notes on why. Dooku you want is my bae. receipts on why mm-hmm. Dooku is Bay? Dooku is the only one in this episode who is remotely affable, who knows what he's doing and then does it. He's the only competent one who's not Hondo Onaka mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is really accomplishing his goals. Mm-hmm. And the Capricorn in me is very into that. He also has the second highest kill count in the episode after Jar Jar, so that's pretty impressive. So this is maybe a conditional (laughs) admission onto the Baywatch list. I'm not super into Dooku's grand escape where he's choking everybody out. And it was very cool. It was extremely cool. (laughs) I would prefer my bays to be a little less wantonly violent, Mm -hmm. but also like His one-liners are incredible. Mm -hmm. I just love the moment when he's sitting there meditating and then Anakin and Obi-Wan deign to come and interrupt his meditation and he dips Mm -hmm. to get away from the stench of their incompetence. And he's so fun to watch. And also, I just really appreciate his deeply amusing sense of superiority over Anakin and Obi-Wan, who are themselves quite capable mm-hmm. and then it just pales into insignificance next to dooku when he's floating the knife over he doesn't even bother to look over at anakin as anakin is just totally berating him mm-hmm. he's like obi-wan sh- get him to shut up i'm yeah. busy yeah the adults are talking yeah yeah i thought it was really fun am i proud of this sam <laughs> no no i am not that i mean that said there's only uh five characters with names in this episode so yeah you can pick someone without a name 
Yeah, but I'm not gonna. Well, who did you? Who were? Oh, okay, it's time. It's, it's time crunch time. Put your money where your mouth is, Sam. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Obi Wan because I do think he won the banter wars. Okay, that's valid. And I like to see, uh, you know, because when you said, "Oh, he's thinner," I like spooled up this whole fan canon in my head of like. Oh, yeah, well, he was injured in the line of duty, and so this was, like, a vacation, and they're like, oh, just go rescue, An- like, do a-, a mission where you dangle Anakin out for Dooku oh and then capture Dooku, and everyone's like, fine, easy, whatever. I'm tired of running a war anyway. Uh, he is hilarious. Incredible. He is goofy, and every jibe, every joke that anyone tries to stick on him, any, like, anything that anyone tries to insult him with, he just flings back with triple the force he does or he deflects it onto someone else he rarely literally and figuratively mm. with words and with lightsabers and what's interesting about that now i'm gesturing you can't <laughs> like he can't have good banter like that as much with ahsoka and anakin because mm. it's like a grandparent parent child relationship mm. and so he's gotta like keep his gloves on but he's got to be mm-hmm. a good example to yeah. his grand padawan but he probably already knows that anakin's a lost cause oh no and, and so when it's him and anakin and dooku he's like i'm going to make fun of you both until you die from embarrassment and escape that's my plan i am free to be me <laughs> and he was and i mean you put it that way someone who lives true someone who lives true to their mm-hmm. ideals and yeah Obi-Wan's natural suaveness came out in this arc, and it is so fun to watch. And then at the end, my notes say, like, the last line is, and Obi-Wan is super chill. Yeah. And he's like, I... And he was. You aren't worth my time. I'm just going to put the fear of the universe in you and then bounce because I don't have... Like, Dooku already has it out for me, and now you have to deal with that, too. Have a nice day. Like, so good. It's great. So So good. Yeah. I'm I'm real surprised with Tuku. That's a good good pick though. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> One last thing I want to talk about with the whole first episode and really maybe the theme of the episode that popped up was the idea of a lost lightsaber. Mm. starts out Anakin doesn't have his lightsaber moves on Anakin's lightsaber gets taken away and Obi-Wan's gets broken moves on further Dooku's Dooku gets missing his. Yep. when they first meet Hondo Hondo's little monkey parrot creature is carrying Anakin's and Anakin grabs it because we must hang on to our pirate coding so rather than have a parrot or a monkey they just made a parrot monkey mm-hmm. although that's a it's actually a Kowakian monkey lizard, which oh my God. Uh, Jabba has one in episode six. But Oh! Yeah. Anyway, they, the idea of losing your lightsaber and how much that uh, emasculates a Jedi or a Force user is an interesting oh. one throughout this episode because once their lightsabers are taken away, you just chain them up and put them in a room and a bunch of drunken pirates can handle them. Is it emasculating? To have to, well, okay. When Obi Wan's was sputtering, I was like, "Trouble with your equipment, Obi Wan." But is it emasculating to have to use something other than force, lowercase f force, Mm -hmm. 
and rather use capital F force and the power of your mind to get out of your situation. Now, if you were to have in this situation a Jedi such as uh, Luminara or Yoda or Mace Windu, they would easily be able to use the force to get out of there. But Jedi such as Obi-Wan and Anakin, uh, Sith such as Dooku, rely so heavily on their lightsabers to solve their problems that this is in fact I would say Obi-Wan less so. Yeah, but he was also completely calm throughout the whole thing, and he's treating it like a vacation, so. Good for him. Yeah. It's what he deserves. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. As always, you can find us on social media at Growing Up Skywalker. If you like the show, please leave us a review on your podcast app or send it to send it to the nefarious one of your friend group who's always up to no good, but is so charming that you just let them get away with it. Are you referring to Anakin or Dooku? Hondo! <laughs> <laughs> Was that not clear? Apparently not. <laughs> They send it to the Obi-Wan, the person who's, you know, looking a little worse for wear and who's laughing through the pain. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, we'll send it to that friend if you think this will cheer them up. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if uh, if you know us in real life or if you want to send us an email at growingupskywalker at gmail.com. We read every single one. We love, love, love communicating with you guys and gals y'all are the best part of this process yes we we do it for you and it is it's really a lot of fun very much appreciate it. and we want to do a season one retrospective so send us some notes and we will address yeah. them we need your voices send us your questions send us your thoughts if you're yelling at us as you're listening to the episode because we missed something or we were wrong let us know didn't choose padme to be bay Ah, oh, unbelievable. I take that. <laughs> I take full responsibility for this terrible oversight. And uh, yeah, tune in next Tuesday for season one, episode 13 and season one, episode 14, which is the Anakin injured art. Mm-hmm. What does it take to put a man like Anakin down? Whoa. Find out next week. Bye-bye. Bye, y'all. <laughs>